Good morning and welcome to a Euractiv debate supported by Valex. Now this morning we'll be discussing sustainable and healthy buildings and reaching the goals of the EU Green Deal. A big thank you of course to everyone who is joining us online morning. And a reminder, if you have a question or comment, don't forget to send it into our chat page along with the name of the panelist, it's Rex and pick up some of your questions for later on in the programme, so do get involved. Now we spend so much time in dolls, just look at all of us right now. Um, I'm happy to moderate this debate from the comfort of my own home. Now stats say that we spend 90% of our time indoors. Now that might sound a little bit crazy perhaps, but just think about it. Unless you have an outdoors profession, it's actually on the money. So the places that we choose to spend our time in should be fit for us. They should also be fit for the future and for the environment so more sustainable. Now the energy performance of buildings directed is being reformed so that the places that we live, work and play in can play their role in helping to reduce emissions by 55% by 2030. So then delivering on the EU Green Deal. Now the reform isn't just about energy efficiency or even zero emission buildings. It's about creating a better environment that improves quality of life and reduces something very important, energy poverty. Something that really couldn't come sooner given the fact that we are living through an energy crisis right now. Now you're gonna hear a lot about the revision of the buildings directive and what could or should be on the cars. But before we hear from our panelists, let's set the scene with David Briggs, CEO at Velix, for a presentation of an impact study on the Healthy Homes Barometer. Now that study says that one out of four Europeans are exposed to indoor climate hazards. What's that all about? Well, let's find out more, David. Yeah, thank you very much indeed, uh, Marianne. That's, uh, and uh, also a warm welcome, obviously, from my side to, uh, to all of the guests uh, who are able to join us today. It's uh, uh, an honour to, to be able to address you. So, I mean, um, as everybody knows, and as we talk about frequently, we are at a, a, a crucial turning point. And the IEA, I think, uh, recently concluded, uh, it was in, in its March report, that uh, uh, basically the world has not heeded uh, the call for a sustainable recovery uh, from the COVID-19 uh, crisis. And, and we're also currently not on track uh, to build back better, um, nor to meet our climate objectives. Um, an important solution for this, of course, is to uh, decarbonize our building stock around 40% of all of the energy uh, that we use uh, in the world is related to uh, the buildings that we uh, live in. Um, and uh, this is uh, uh, why the legislative work on the, the Fit for 55 uh, legislative uh, package is so crucial. But um, for us, it's not just about decarbonizing our, our building stock. Uh, we, we can also uh, use this opportunity uh, to kill two birds with one stone, as it were, and, and to create much better living conditions uh, for all of the people um, in Europe. Buildings, as you said earlier, Marian, I mean, are absolutely crucial to our lives. And the, the primary purpose of a building is, of course, to keep us uh, warm, comfortable, sheltered uh, and safe. Um, and uh, uh, in that respect, it's, it's rather shocking. Uh, especially knowing, as you said, that we spend 90% of our uh, lives inside buildings, 90%, something which became acutely clear to people during the COVID-19 uh, crisis, I think. Um, the, the, this, this crisis also highlighted the, the, help, the, the need for uh, um, uh, and the importance of healthy buildings. Um, in the uh, efficiency, energy efficiency first principle uh, that the European Commission um, uh, published, they identified health as one of the most important uh, co-benefits of energy efficiency. 
but they also acknowledged at the same time that there was a lack of available data uh, to better assess and to quantify these uh, multiple benefits. And, and that's a gap that, that uh, at Venus we have tried to begin to address. I don't pretend that we have uh, 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 all of the data and, and more research is certainly uh, required, but uh, actually since 2015, every year, uh, we have been producing a report written together with independent um, uh, consultancies, uh, which um, uh, this year it was with RAND Europe, uh, a non-profit uh, policy research organization. And these reports focus very much on creating uh, sustainable buildings for resilient uh, societies. And so before you zoom in on, on the policy discussions, which I, I know you're going to discuss uh, later, I'd like to share a couple of just a couple of the key uh, findings. So if you could move to the next slide for me, that would be uh, very helpful. Uh, thank you. One of the key findings, as you said, is actually that one in three uh, Europeans are affected by excess noise, uh, cold, damp and mold and uh, lack of daylight uh, or lack of daylight in their homes. And, and in total, that's uh, around 163 million people who are affected by one or more of those uh, uh, problems uh, within the, the houses in which they live. That's, that's the equivalent of uh, the populations of Germany, Spain, uh, UK, although perhaps the UK is less relevant now they decided to, to, uh, to, to leave Europe stupidly. But, uh, uh, but nevertheless, um, it, it's, uh, it, it's not just either a few isolated uh, areas in Europe that, that are affected by this. Poor indoor climate affects people all the way from Portugal in the West through to the Baltics in the East. And it's not either necessarily uh, just the, uh, the the poorer uh, countries which are the worst affected. That is, of course, uh, 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 an element. But I, I can say, for example, I'm speaking to you from Denmark. Uh, De Denmark actually only uh, arrives in the middle of uh, of the table of uh, healthy homes and has uh, the average amount of uh, unhealthy homes of, of the European society, despite being one of the richest uh, societies in, uh, in Europe. And the related... Uh, um, uh, health impacts are, are pretty well known. Um, they include asthma, um, respiratory problems, uh, cardiovascular disease. Um, uh, but, but these uh, latest study also shows a, a very strong uh, link uh, between uh, poor indoor climate and, and people's general uh, health and well-being. Previous reports have also uh, uh, firmly and, in, and very conclusively established the link between uh, a healthy indoor climate and particularly the access to daylight for productivity and for learning, for example, in, in schools. And I, although I won't touch on that today, it's uh, additional uh, benefits that, uh, that are, are clearly documentable um, in terms of uh, uh, fixing uh, the, uh, uh, the, the difficulties of, of poor housing and also um, uh, poor working uh, uh, offices and uh, factories and, and conditions uh, in, in many respects. Um, if you could go to the next slide uh, for me, uh, please. Um, the research we have uh, done uh, is uh, very clear uh, that the restoration of buildings, not only is it an essential part of the green recovery, um, the, the cheapest uh, and the cleanest energy that you use is the energy that you don't waste um, or that you don't use uh, at all. So energy efficiency should absolutely be at the, the forefront of our efforts in our 
uh, a green transition. But the benefits of at the same time as we renovate houses for better uh, insulation, um, uh, the benefits uh, to our society of um, equally investing in improving the conditions of those uh, houses are, are also clear. And, and the cumulative effects of investing uh, in, uh, in healthier homes um, in terms of uh, direct healthcare savings, uh, but also improved health, improved uh, productivity, they are conservatively, uh, and I say conservatively, estimated at around 600 billion euros by 2050. And of course, uh, you can uh, and can and will receive a full copy of the, the report and you'll discuss the methodology uh, of, of those calculations. But 600 billion euros in context, of course, uh, as, as you will know, uh, th that's well over half the investments that are expected to be needed uh, to realize the European uh, Green Deal's objectives. So this is not an insignificant uh, matter uh, in terms of the health of people, nor uh, the financial uh, benefits when the holistic picture is taken into account. Um, if you could go to the final slide, and I, I'll just conclude with uh, a few remarks. Obviously, the challenge from our uh, perspective is, is pretty easy to, to spot. If we have the right focus, uh, then the EU can, can definitely ensure a sustainable, uh, a resilient, um, an energy uh, efficient uh, building stock, um, but one which is also healthy and affordable uh, for people to live in. And, and the new data clearly shows that, that health is not an add-on or a nice-to-have, uh, but it's an intrinsic part of uh, the value of energy efficient buildings. So our uh, push and our plea is to, to really make sure that when we have the opportunity and the obligation to decarbonize our buildings, we should also take this opportunity to create well-being for the people and for planet by transforming those spaces into, into healthier uh, places where people feel uh, better, um, are healthier and also more productive and, and, and learn uh, easier. It's an opportunity to do both of these things at the same time at a significantly uh, reduced cost than if we decouple and separate uh, the, the issues. So, so that's a, a super brief introduction to the, uh, to the key findings of, of our Healthy Homes uh, barometer of this year, which uh, again, we're, we're, we're be, we are very happy to, to share with, with everybody, also the, uh, all of the supporting data uh, to the degree that it can be uh, useful. Um, and I hope it's food for thought for you. Um, I'm looking forward then to listening into as much of the debate as, uh, as I am able uh, following up on this. So thank you for that. No, thank you. Um, and definitely, you know, I think everyone will be listening to what you're saying, that this is an opportunity and that health should as an add-on um, when we look at um, reforming this legislation. Um, before you go, um, I would like to ask you one question because I know that you are quite busy. Um, you know, you talked about 163 million people being affected by four indoor houses that you identified. So just to go back and then the lack of daylight, damp, mold and noise, cold. But if there's any way to sort of quantify this, um, which of these would you say needs to be addressed first? Which is the worst when it comes to our mental and physical um, well-being? 
<laughs> you, you know, I'm, I'm originally a salesman, so I'd be tempted to say uh, lighter because that will uh, <laughs> that will require more windows. But uh, but but uh, uh, but that that uh, that isn't fair. Um, it, it's actually um, it is a little difficult, and I think we we uh, we perhaps lack the data to be definitive uh, on an answer of that. Um, the situation changes uh, a little bit from country to country, uh, depending on the climate. It also changes on whether you're living in an urban area or in the uh, in the countryside, uh, for for example. Um, and and uh, and of course, it is very often that these uh, four elements uh, go hand in hand. They 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 come together. Um, uh, light and ventilation and and uh, uh, is is a, a big part of the problem of, of damp and mold, uh, for, for example, um, and uh, uh, poor housing is often uh, located in in the areas which are cheaper to build, which, uh, which impacts on the noise uh, and so on. So, so it is a little bit uh, uh, difficult, I would say, to, to separate or rank them uh, to, uh, uh, differently. What, what we do know is that the people who are exposed to all four uh, of those uh, indoor climate hazards, they're, they're almost four times more likely than the average to report poor health uh, compared to those in a, in a, in a good indoor climate, four times uh, more likely to, uh, to report poor health. And if you look at the mental uh, well-being, it's even, uh, uh, even worse, actually, because, uh, again, those people living with all four, they're five times more likely to, uh, to feel unhappy and to suffer uh, from symptoms of depression and, uh, and, and, um, and uh, yeah, poor mental uh, uh, health, uh, I would say. So that's not a very, uh, it's not an easy answer of yes, just just fix one and, and, and you've taken 80% of the problems away. Um, I, I wouldn't be serious of me to, to say that because I don't think we have quite sufficient research uh, to do that. But but at least here in Wales, we'd be very happy to contribute to, to further research on, on those issues. I think it's a, a superly important societal issue. So Okay, well, thank you so much. I think definitely the pandemic um, and the lockdowns that, you know, so many countries um, and, and people around the world had to face really showed us that, you know, the place that we live really needs to be fit for purpose, a place um, that we enjoy um, and that we can enjoy with our families. Um, David Briggs, thank you so much um, for joining us and for making, um, um, you know, for making that statement. Add, thank you so much. If I could just add to that, Marion, I, mean, I, uh, I agree. Yes, please do. Something in, in uh, you know, obviously people are focused on the comfort of their home, and and uh, uh, and, and that has been a good thing. Uh, but we've also gone back to uh, to a fundamental uh, thing, which uh, perhaps we, we'd forgotten. And and you know, we've we've recognised that airing out a home all the way through the year, opening uh, the windows, letting the air circulate, is a is a very efficient um, and very crucial part of avoiding uh, uh, you know that, that uh, uh, allergy born or airborne uh, particles like like covid uh, stay in the house and, and and the temptation when you when you when you go for energy efficiency if you want to be the most energy efficient then you know fill uh, uh, make the walls thick uh, uh, don't put uh, any light into it don't ventilate it keep the heat in uh, all of these uh, things are are good for energy efficiency uh, but they are extraordinarily detrimental to people's health and well-being so so we have to find that right uh, right balance and i think covid has has definitely also shown that these things go hand in hand
They really do. Okay, well, thank you so much um, for being part of the debate this morning. Um, thank you so much, David. Thank you so much. Okay, well, time now to introduce our panelist of experts. So joining me for this debate, we have Thibault Roy, Policy Officer at DGN at the EU Commission. We also have Danish Renew Europe MEP Morten Peterson, who is also Vice Chair um, of ITRA Committee at the European Parliament. We also have Martin um Energy and Atomic Issues Attaché at the Czech Permanent Representation to the EU. Um, Adeline Rocher, Senior Policy Advisor at Think Tank E3G. And Elizabeth Hoffman, EU Public Affairs um, Manager at Velux. Um, thank you to you all. Now today, we're going to be changing things up just a little bit. Um, some of our panelists do, of course, have a, a, some limited time. So before I go to all of the panelists, um, to introduce themselves. First of all, I'm going to bring in um, Martin Pejrimovsky, Energy and Atomic Issues Attaché at the Czech um, Permanent Representation to the EU. So it's a bit of a mouthful. Um, please do take the floor for a few minutes to introduce yourself. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much for, uh, for inviting me also. Thank you very much for pronouncing my surname so nicely. It's uh, it's a challenge even for many Czech people. So you did a great job there. Uh, I am uh, I'm extremely sorry for, for having only a limited time because we are actually uh, having another round of negotiations of the EPBD uh, today in in uh, just uh, just a few minutes in the uh, in the council. So uh, this is something that is happening right now. And uh, with that said, I would like to thank uh, thank uh, company Velux for presenting the results of the study because uh, the timing is perfect. And uh, now is the, now is the time uh, and the opportunity to inform the stakeholders, uh, the member states, and the members of the European Parliament and the Commission about the, the potential benefits or uh, of uh, renovations of buildings for health as well as uh, energy efficiency. So uh, with that said, uh, I would like to just uh, point out a few things that will be the most exciting from, uh, from my point of view. Uh, we have a tremendous potential to, to do something great for the European building stock now uh, with the EPBD being, uh, being on the table. And uh, what we have to focus on is to maintain the uh, coherence uh, and to, to look uh, at this file, uh, at this legislation in a holistic uh, manner, if I may uh, quote uh, my, my, uh, the, the previous speaker. Uh, I think that the EU as such is now approaching uh, the building sector in the most holistic manner uh, ever. Uh, we have uh, the commission communication on the renovation wave, which was followed by the council conclusions on the renovation wave. Then uh, the uh, cabinet uh, of the president uh, von der Leyen issued the uh, communication on the European Bauhaus. So uh, this uh, this all uh, was a strong lead up to, to opening the legislation on, on the uh, renovation of buildings. And I think that uh, it only proves that uh, now the uh, the building sector is, uh, is uh, on the top priority of the stakeholders from many, uh, many uh, backgrounds. And uh, from uh, we are approaching this issue from, from many points of view, including culture, uh, health, uh, the history and the future, the digitalization, uh, and uh, of course, the energy consumption and emissions. So uh, what we'll be looking to do in the council uh, is that uh, we'll try to craft the legislation in a way that is flexible, but at the same time ambitious. 
we need to step up the renovation rate. That's something that uh, we agree on. And uh, we'll be looking for new tools uh, to incorporate into the legislation that would allow for speeding up uh, the renovations and for rolling out new and innovative uh, solutions to the challenges that we are facing and to the challenges that uh, the previous speaker uh, described uh, so nicely, uh, so nicely about. Uh, let's uh, let's focus on uh, having flexibilities. Let's focus on uh, using the strength of of the member states. Uh, let's uh, give them enough ways how to uh, take advantage of the specific climate conditions, specific uh, cultural uh, cultural conditions, as well as um, you know uh, we should also, I think. Uh, Try to uh, try to uh, develop uh, develop a framework that will allow for preserving the cultural um, and historical treasures that we have in the EU. Because psychology is, is an important part. How, uh, as it was nicely mentioned uh, in the first uh, pres uh, presentation. And uh, yeah, being able to live in a beautiful historical center with beautiful historical buildings, whose or a character of which is maintained is i think something that uh, that would uh, be only beneficial for the mental health of of the european population so just just a little thing uh, regarding the the historical building and the possible uh, possible solutions there uh what uh, what will be uh, extremely exciting is uh, the digital um, tools and uh, the research that is going into this area because buildings of the future will be smarter than ever before we will roll out uh, new devices that uh, will help us to drive uh, the consumption down. This will help us to make uh, buildings not just passive consumers of energy, but also active players within the electricity grid. For that, we need a lot of skilled people. Uh, we need to really focus on how to get those people to the to the market, uh, to the job market, how to how to work with students, uh, how to work with universities, etc., so that we in the EU are the global leader when it comes to smart uh, smart solution for buildings. Now it's not just a matter of uh, a healthy lifestyle and uh, lowering the consumption. Now it's actually a matter of um, the EU energy security as such, because every uh, every every piece of energy that we don't need to use uh, every piece of uh, or every molecule of gas that we don't need to burn uh, is uh, is a great news for for the eu and uh, will need our will will contribute to our well-being and will uh, help us to to have a little bit uh, lighter sleep so uh, with that said uh, i'm looking uh, forward to the discussion i hope that uh, it will it will lead to uh, productive outcomes, and uh, I massively apologize for for being forced to leave you, but uh, I I have uh, negotiations. I have a negotiation to run, and uh, yes, uh, looking forward to the Czech presidency. Also, hopefully, we'll be able to close a general approach, which would then uh, open the way for the Swedish presidency to start the trilogues with the uh, respected members of the European Parliament. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Do I have quickly just a few moments just to ask you a few questions or not, or do you really have to leave? Yes, yes. definitely. Go ahead. 
Okay, oh, fantastic. Okay, so I'm glad that you brought up the fact that, of course, you will take over um, the rotating um, EU Council presidency. Um, you know, I've been reading up on what the sort of goals of your presidency are. Um, I'm glad, of course, that you do um, highlight the Energy Performance of Buildings Directive and the kind of reform that you're looking to make within that. But from what I can understand, you know, your presidency is going to be focusing on banking and finance. So where then does this legislative reform really fit into the goals and ambitions? And what can you really do you think you can get done then in, in six months? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. I mean, uh, we are still now in the hands of the French presidency and to a large extent, it will depend on how successful they will be. Uh, we will, we will uh, of course, uh, or we are, uh, actually doing anything and everything we can to help the French to, to be as uh, successful as possible and to fulfill their goals uh, so that then we can focus on on uh, yeah uh, delivering on uh, on the targets that we set in our uh, national uh, documents and uh, the general outlooks that we that we have presented but uh, this uh, this uh, is a challenging question and uh, I think the next month uh, will be crucial and uh, it will it will inform us on what is and what isn't possible during our presidency. I yes, probably not not as specific answers as you would hope for, but I really need to be careful here. Sorry. <laughs> no worries at all. No worries at all. For it. Always a politician. Um, okay, so I mean, you know, currently we're suffering through so many different crises. We've had the pandemic, the effects of which we're still all feeling. Um, obviously, there's a war in Ukraine. Um, and the ripple effects across the world have been felt, um, energy crisis, you know, living crisis. So with all of these things that are taking place um, and, and affecting all of us as a kind of global community, um, you know, as I was saying to the CEO of Alex and um, David Briggs, the homes that we live in are becoming, or the spaces that we occupy really, are becoming ever more important. So what would you say that the pandemic has really shown you um, from within your country about the kind of conditions that your people are living in and how you can transport that in any sort of legislative form? Uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a good, uh, a good thing to uh, approach the overall living conditions holistically i think that that would be that would be the main uh outcome or one of the one of the lessons that we have learned because uh if a person is living in an apartment with uh devices that are energy inefficient uh, then every time that person switches those appliances on every time the person switches on the heating a negative feedback loop uh, it's, it's, uh, it's basically happening in in the mind of that person saying that hey you know electricity is getting more expensive than, uh, than ever before perhaps i shouldn't really you know uh, shouldn't uh, heat up the building to to the uh, level that I was used to before um, perhaps I should uh, you know think about uh, the consumption it's something that will uh, help us to advocate for energy efficiency and for behavioral measures that will drive the consumption of energy down which uh, makes the planet as such more sustainable but at the same time we need to think really about the impact and the emotional impact on uh, the person on the individual person and uh, we need to do our best to make sure that uh, person uh, that is uh, 
you know, regardless of their income level and regardless of their of the area where they live in, that they really feel that we are doing the best so that they can uh, enjoy the life in the most comfortable way possible. And this is something that informs the policy making. This is something that uh, is leading uh, the politicians into discussing uh, various form of tackling energy poverty and uh, handling vulnerable consumers. I mean, handling the issue of the vulnerable uh, consumers in, in different ways than ever before. Uh, the solutions that we are now discussing are more complex than ever before, and uh, the we are we are in a lucky position because the EBBD has been open before the crisis. So now uh, we can actually still inform the legislative process and uh, take into account all the lessons that we are learning through this crisis to make the EBBD uh, future-proof and uh, to also approach the whole Fit for 55 package in a more holistic uh, manner than uh, we would have ever imagined uh, when this was published. On the on the day of the um, the Bastille, uh, on the fourteenth of, of July. Uh, so uh, yeah, yes, this is something. These things that I think everyone, all actors, um, will need to find in this. Um, I'm going to let you go in. So Martin Peshimovsky, uh, Energy and um, Atomic Issues Attorney at the Czech Permanent Representation to the EU. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, um, and I hope your meeting goes well. Thank you so much for being part of this panel discussion Thank today. You. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. Goodbye. Thank you so much. Okay, well then, let's now hear from the rest of our panel. Um, thank you, of course, for all standing by. Um, let's go in order of introduction. Okay, let's start with Thibault Roy, uh, Policy Officer at DGN at the EU Commission. Um, if you'd like to take the floor and introduce yourself, please do. Good morning, everyone, and uh, thank you very much, Mariam, and thank you to Euractive for organizing this very topical event. Um, I also want to thank uh, David for presenting those data on quality of life and key issues uh, in buildings. Uh, and also thank you um, to Martin for reminding us uh, about the importance uh, of ensuring coherence between the different files uh, of the Fit for 55 uh, package. And also uh, after the French presidency of the council, uh, with the Czech presidency to, to steer the work um, hopefully to uh, an ambitious uh, proposal, um, ambitious updates on the EPBD proposal uh, of the Commission. Um, in the wake of Russia's invasion and the current war in Ukraine, saving energy is the cheapest, safest and cleanest way to reduce our reliance on fossil fuel imports. And using less energy also obviously underpins the clean energy transition. As you uh, recalled, uh, buildings account for 40% of energy consumed and about uh, one third of uh, energy related greenhouse gas emissions in the EU. And therefore, in line with the renovation wave strategy, uh, the proposal for the revision of the EPBD adopted in December uh, aims to more than double the rate of renovation, but also to increase their depths to contribute to uh, the minus 55% uh, GHG emission by 2030 and to net zero emissions by 2050. And the renovation of existing buildings is the core of the EPBD revision proposal, 
uh, with ambitious measures such as on minimum energy performance standards, so on MEPS. In the Commission, we have carefully drafted the, the PVD proposals so that it has a, a positive impact not only on energy consumption or GHG emissions, but also on affordability and quality of life. And as we all know, we shape our buildings, but our buildings also shape us. And the renovation of worse performing buildings, in particular thanks to the proposal on EPS, is a key way to make our buildings healthier by addressing leaking roofs, damp, moisture, ventilation, and thermal comfort, and at the same time reduced energy bills. It also helps, uh, obviously, uh, lifting people out of energy poverty. And I also want to say that in addition to uh, the proposal on MEPS, we have um, um, introduced several measures in the PBD uh, proposal uh, to contribute to uh, making our buildings healthier. And they pertain in particular to reporting, uh, information, advisory tools, and financing at all. I will stop here for now and uh, looking forward to the discussion. Amy, thank you so much, Tibor. Boy, um, it's good that you said there that, you know, our buildings really shape us. I think that's really important because, you know, these are the places, you know, as we hear from David Briggs, um, you know, we spend 90% of our time indoors. So, of course, um, that's a hugely important uh, point to make. Um, and, of course, we hear about, you know, all reforms, the fact that renovation is really key to what the European Commission wants to do with this reform. But let's now go over to MEP Morton Peterson to take the floor. Thank you so much, Mariam. Uh, good morning, uh, everybody, and, and, and thanks a lot for, for these great interventions. I must say I'm, I'm uh, surprised by the magnitude of benefits that, that David Briggs was, uh, was talking about previously. Uh, a third of Europeans being affected uh, and the benefits from renovation, and I believe he said uh, somewhat like in the tune of 600 billion euros in benefits by 2050 if we, if we do this right. Uh, and uh, apart from this, adding all the benefits in terms of indoor climate and health considerations, uh, I think overall makes it an overwhelming case uh, in, in, in terms of, of renovating uh, the buildings and the negotiations that, that we have ahead of us. But if I may just take one step back, I think what is happening now with the terrible tragedy and events in, in, in Ukraine that we're all scrambling for also uh, what to do in the short term. And, and here, renovation issues are, are extremely important. And I think the entire issue of energy efficiency, energy efficiency first, and then re renovation of buildings uh, are now becoming issues of strategic security interest for Europe at large. So we tend to focus a lot on generating more renewables, green electricity, which we ought to and which we should. But in the very short term, what we for sure can do is to renovate buildings and ensure that we apply energy efficiency first principles in this. Because this will, at the end of the day, save us a lot of, of Russian gas imports as well as accompanying the greenhouse gas uh, emissions. So there's so much going for uh, an ambitions, uh, ambitious uh, energy performance of buildings directed revision. And, and I think that the moment is right, the, the timing is right in order to do so. Let me just touch upon a couple of other issues that I think should be in there when we get to negotiating this important file with member states. I think we have an issue of durability of our buildings. 
I think we have issues on, on life cycle approaches to also incorporating building materials in order to ensure that we do it as green as possible, so to say. So we need to have a more holistic approach. I think we have issues surrounding the entire eco-labeling system in order to ensure that when we renovate, we do it as efficient as possible and as green uh, as possible. Uh, digital issues will also be very much at the forefront, given that in order to reduce uh, our, our energy consumption, I mean, digitalization and, and, and renovation goes hand in hand. And we have so many great cases and examples out there basically showing that the payback periods are obviously with the spike in energy prices getting lower and lower when renovating houses and buildings uh, and, and when in, uh, applying energy efficiency uh, measures. So all this to say, Marian, that, that I think time is right for, for debates like the ones that we're having this morning. Uh, we will very soon be negotiating this important file in European Parliament uh, and then end of year, start of next year, uh, presumably be negotiating with the member states. And this will not be easy, even though the benefits seem so obvious, as is the case, because you have a lot of member states out there that would say, okay, why is this a European uh, approach? Why, why do we need a pan-European approach to this? Why not let member states regulate on their own? So this would be a very principled discussion also, because I truly and firmly believe that there are pan-European benefits by having common standards in a lot of these issues. But just to warn you and to flag that there will be very serious disagreements and discussions on this file uh, as well. So uh, watch out and, and look out. Uh, it's going to be uh, very intense and dramatic over the next year or so. Thanks. Yeah, no doubt they would be. Um, I think it's important to point out that, you know, the, the sort of pan-European approach versus the um, member state approach and i liked how you sorry my voice is going a little bit here um i liked how you said that you know we shouldn't be scrambling for short-term solutions that you know whatever reform that is going to end up um in this piece of legislation um actually has the right kind of impact for the future you know that we use the right kind of materials on buildings and we create the buildings that are of course best and um, for people to live work um, and play in. Okay, let's now go over to um adeline rocher senior policy advisor at think tank e3 please do take the floor Uh, I think you are muted, potentially, if you would like to unmute yourself. Yes. <laughs> Very sorry for that, but I think it's the Perfect. modern age. <laughs> it's, it's what happened now. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Um, so thank you very much for um, inviting me to participate to this discussion today. It's been said that it's very timely, very important. Um, I did have a few messages that um, I wanted to stress today, but um, MEP Peterson um, already <laughs> said a few of them. So I'm very happy to see that um, I share most of his messages, but I still do have some, some things to say. Um, first of all, I think it's great to see that there is this common agreement on the need for a holistic approach because you can't isolate climate, health and uh, social benefits. And it's something that I believe the Green Deal was initially uh, designed um, for. It was to really improve the whole of society in Europe and uh, the resilience plan that followed were also in that line of not uh, addressing single problems in silo because we know that doesn't work, but um, really have 
a broad perspective to make sure that sustain sustainability happens um, in the entire society. Um, I wanted also to to stress that it's important to focus on EPBD because that's a very um, near-term um, policy file, but it's really about the Green Deal because there are other um, texts that will have uh, provisions that are important for the, the quality and livability of the uh, buildings in Europe. Um, for instance, the Energy Efficiency Directive that contains a lot of provisions also on heating and cooling, and heating and cooling um, are critical to the indoor air quality. Um, there is the um, construction product regulation as part of the circular economy package uh, that also has provisions on the, the quality of materials. And it's not only about um, energy performance of the material, it's also about um, do they contain um, volatile organic compounds or not. Uh, it's not yet in the regulation, but I believe uh, should be regulated um, by the EU. And I think it's very important to have that pan-European framework to ensure that um, it's, um, it unlocks um, benefits for the single market and it ensures some equality of all EU citizens um, regarding the quality of their buildings, because not all building stock have the same starting point, but we do want all buildings in Europe to be clean, sustainable, healthy and, and comfortable. Um, Another point uh, I wanted to make was that it's really important, I think, to see renovation as an investment for the future. Um, the Commission has estimated that 275 additional billion euros a year would be needed to really achieve the, the goals of the renovation wave. But uh, there's still 112 billion euros a year spent in Europe on fossil fuel subsidies only. So I'm only speaking about subsidies, which are a direct cost um, for for public authorities in Europe. Uh, we've discussed at length also about the the cost on uh, public health systems. Um, direct costs uh, on public health system are around two hundred billion a year. So, how you prioritize the, the the public support? Where do you direct your investments? And uh, how do you want to spend the, the EU taxpayers' money is also very important. And I don't think there is um, a lack of uh, resource. I think there is a question of how do you reorient the resource when they can deliver the most um, benefits for the long term. Um, I will stop there, but I look forward to continuing the conversation. Okay, thank you so much, Ms. Uh, Roshan. It was really good that you pointed out there that 200 billion of course is a cost a cost to the healthcare system and perhaps this legislative reform can do something to maybe um help that situation okay and then last to our last panelist now um elizabeth hoffman and um, please do take the floor for a few minutes thank you yeah a lot of the important points have, have already been made but i think one thing is clear that buildings are not just part of a problem that will cost us a lot of money uh, in the coming months and years, but that they represent a real opportunity, um, but only if we start uh, treating energy efficiency as the first fuel. So, so very much looking forward to the Repower EU plans uh, tomorrow on that front. But also, um, as, as was mentioned also by David before, if we introduce a more holistic approach to buildings, and that means factoring in all relevant building parameters, energy, environment, and health so that we really make sure that the decarbonization of buildings also goes hand in hand with uh, the improvement of living conditions. And that's, that's really important 
because when when the indoor climate is is ignored, um, renovations can actually lead to either unexpected increased energy demands or also the need for for increased um, uh, cooling needs because summer comfort or daylight were actually not factored in because at the moment the focus um, when planning renovations is very much just on uh, the energy performance side of things. So that's why uh, very good that uh, the EPBD proposal is, is, is broadening the scope. Um, what we would like uh, to see certainly is also a stronger focus on, on the benefits of, of passive uh, building systems and uh, factoring that in uh, a bit more. Um, and when it comes to, um, to health uh, and, and comfort, um, there is several good proposals uh, in, in the commission draft to, to better factor in a healthy uh, indoor climate. Um, and that's a good starting point. Uh, but um, we do need to take uh, a step uh, further and, and, and start enshrining multiple benefits also in the new building tools, but also in the definitions. Because when we look at what, how we define at the moment uh, a zero emission building, the focus is very much just on the operational side and very much just on energy. And uh, when we talk about the multiple benefits, most of the times it's just linked to recommendations, encouraging member states to take action. So, um, so that will be very important to, to address. And, and, and just one final remark, um, we, we don't have many opportunities to, to actually get it right uh, because we know that building owners on average are only undertaking like big renovation projects every 20 to 30 years. So if we either set a very low ambition at the beginning or we take a too narrow approach when planning uh, the renovation project, that can lead to uh, non-desired outcomes, but also create lock-in effects for the inhabitants of the buildings that then have to live with it for, for, for several years. But um, I'll end here and look forward to the discussion now. Okay, thank you so much. I think it's important there that you said that the European Commission can go beyond the operational. Okay, well, since you brought them up, um, let's now kick off um, the debate um, with all of you, and I'll go straight to Thibault Roy. So you said that, you know, 80% of buildings will be standing by 2050 when the EU needs to be climate neutral. And this was something that you retreated from your own energy commissioner, Kadri Simpson. Now, the revision of the, this directive obviously comes at a time um, and you're looking at sustainability from a different angle. So is a fresh approach really needed if we're gonna hit that target of reducing emissions by 55%? Thank you for the question. A very, very, um, very important one. Um, what we think is that um, the EPBD proposal is um, a key element of the Fit for 55 package to reach the 2030 target of um, reaching minus 55% GHG emissions by 2030. But as uh, recalled by um, other uh, speakers, um, it is not the only proposal uh, in that regard. Um, and obviously it has uh, very important interlinkages with other uh, proposals, such as the Energy Efficiency Directive, the EED, which also has a target of uh, reducing energy uh, consumption compared to baseline scenario by 2030. It also has a lot of inter interlinkages. I don't want to go into too much, too much detail, but with the Renewable Energy Directive proposal, uh, which also includes uh, a target of 40% um, of renewable energy at EU level by 2030. And there you see the interlinkages because uh, in the EPBD proposal, 
we promote um, as much as possible the use of renewable energy in the buildings. For example, on our, in our proposal on zero um, emission building, uh, we uh, require the new buildings by 2030 uh, to emit zero uh, operational uh, GAG uh, uh, emissions. Um, and so that and so for the for the energy that still has to be used, even if the total amount is very low, it has to be covered by renewable energy. So it feeds into the 40% target of the red uh, proposal. Uh, other pieces of legislation uh, were mentioned, obviously. Um, very recently, the Commission adopted its proposal on uh, eco-design for sustainable products, um, which aims at uh, targeting not only uh, the, the, the fundamental uh, energy consumption part of appliances that we use, such as uh, boilers in particular, but also uh, their uh, life cycle emissions and their life cycle impacts um, on top of uh, the energy consumption in use. And that also feeds into the work that we uh, try to, 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 um, to carry out uh, as part of the EPBG. If I can say one more word also on uh, the level of ambition for 2030 and 2050, um, in the current context uh, with the invasion of Ukraine, um, and as will probably be um, made uh, more detailed in, in the repower plan, which will be adopted tomorrow, uh, we believe it's extremely important that uh, um, measures related to building and in particular, the proposals, uh, which are part of the EPBD, um, are um, taken up, discussed very thoroughly, and that um, the level of ambition remains high on the proposal. And so we're happy to, 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 to hear um, uh, what um, uh, MEP Peterson says on, on, on the ambition in, in the parliament. And we are happy to obviously to, to support in whatever way we can uh, the co-legislators uh, in that regard. Um, in the context of Repower, maybe a last word, um, it is very important to uh, target insulation of buildings, uh, obviously um, addressing the worst performing buildings uh, as a pri priority for two main reasons. The first being that um, energy poor uh, citizens, for most of them live in those buildings, uh, those of energy performance class G uh, or, or F mainly. So uh, renovating those buildings has a direct impact on their health on top of their energy bills. But also um, we, we also support uh, the rollout of uh, really renewable uh, um, um, uh, powered um, energy uh, sourcing such as heat pumps. Uh, you know that in the communication uh, repower that we adopted in March, we aim at doubling the, the rate of installation of heat pumps. So that would be uh, uh, really targeted together with the installation of our homes to provide uh, the most, let's say, cost optimal uh, way forward. First of all, to meet our GHG uh, and energy consumption targets, but also for the benefit uh, of citizens uh, overall. Okay, thank you so much, Mr. Roy. Okay, well then let's go over to our MEP, Mr. Moulton uh, Peterson. So we heard a lot there um, from our representative from the European Commission about really what's you know on the cards you could say um, for this reform. Um, but you know, 
I want to also pick up on what we heard, you know, towards the beginning of this debate, and it was something that you also touched upon, the fact that, you know, the most unfortunate of us are really living in, well, let's just say, horrible conditions that affect their mental um, and physical well-being. Do you really believe, and is the parliament going to try to push that this legislative reform is really going to make an impact on people's lives and let them live um, in a space where they are comfortable, um, where their health is taken care of, and that it really should be a right for everyone and it isn't dependent on you know how much income you have, that everyone deserves the right to live in basic you know, security and health. Well, well I, I think the argument has, uh, has a lot going for it. Obviously, it's difficult just to, uh, to say that everybody has a right to... to to whatever, because there, there will be huge uh, financial implications on this uh, on, a, on a member state level. But I think it's fair to say that this issue is gaining prominence and, and for very good uh, reason. And, 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 and again, just taking a step back, I think uh, most of us have, uh, under the corona lockdown, uh, been at home for like two years now, doing a lot of our work uh, virtually, realizing uh, essentially how important it is to. to to be in a home where, where things work and, and where you have a healthy environment. So uh, apart from all the, the benefits in terms of uh, efficiency, in terms of gas savings, in terms of, of, of combating climate change and reducing greenhouse gas emissions, I, I think the, the health issue is, is rising to prominence and, and rightfully so. Uh, so all this to say that, that I, I think time is right to... to Add these perspectives to to, to the negotiations, uh, which will will begin quite soon. And just to touch upon the question asked by uh, by by by, by Thibault, uh, I mean we're in a phase now where uh, where we will very soon, from Parliament's side, uh, come out with the, the, the draft report by by the rapporteur, and 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 the political groups will feed into this before summer already. So uh, we do have and will have quite soon a clearer picture about the ambitions and, and where Parliament would be on, on this uh, important topic, as well as to which extent uh, these issues on, on, on health environment and, and the health aspects of, of living in buildings will be incorporated in this. So I'm, I'm 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 somewhat optimistic in terms of integrating these issues and and on the level of ambition, but but still uh, very curious to see the re reactions and, and response from uh, all the other political groups uh, when uh, we see all all the stuff coming in in June and and July. So it's uh, it's very timely with this debate, and and let's make sure that we factor this in in the work that's ahead of us. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, Ms. Roche, um, I know you want to jump in here. So do you feel that there is an incentive right now um, for building owners, for landlords, um, to remodel more sustainably and improve the quality of life of the people living in or inhabiting those buildings? Um, I think that uh, as it is now, the text doesn't make sufficient difference in between different categories of um, owners. And it's you can't imagine that... Um, a single family who owns the, the place they live uh, will have the same um, incentives or the same capacity or the same uh, finance 
to renovate uh, buildings compared to, let's say, a bank who owns multiple families, um, residential buildings in the city center. So um, fine-tuning a bit the approach and fine-tuning a bit what to expect from different owners uh, to, to achieve, I think, is missing. But I, I believe that uh, there will be a lot of work from the parliament on that uh, on that side to really improve or detail uh, the text further. There is a placeholder, of course, in the in the article, um, I believe, 15 on uh, finance and um, enabling framework. So I'm sure that uh, MEPs would be creative and come up with a variety of really well-adapted uh, solutions. Um, one last point I wanted to make was it's uh, in the um, energy efficiency of buildings directive, but I believe it it's deeply connected with the EPBD is the, um, the role of public buildings, um, the exemplary role of public authorities in the renovation of public buildings. If you want to act fast to ensure that renovation benefits to the most vulnerable, then you need to include social housing in the, um, in the scope of the mandatory renovations. There should be the the first group to be to be targeted because there you have a clear case of um, of um, concrete uh, solution to leave people off uh, energy poverty, um, and I really hope to see that provision of uh, public buildings renovation um, end up uh, with a, with a broad scope and really deliver in a sense in a in a in a way that citizens can see how climate action benefits them and citizens can see how European action is also beneficial for them. I think it's going to be very important for um, Europe's image um, in, the, in the coming years. Okay, um, Elizabeth Hoffman, I know that you want to jump in here. You want to talk about um, the advice that could be given to building owners. Yeah, maybe first fully agree with what uh, Adeline just said also on, on, on social housing and, and also the need really to have some targeted financial support and overcoming the issue with like split incentives to help like some of those people that are living or that are energy poor and living uh, in, in those kind of circumstances. Um, and of course, in, in, in the EPBD proposal, there's there's quite a few aspects that, that can help address some of it, uh, like some of the building tools, if we manage to link it to important trigger points. So when there's uh, people changing apartments and all these kind of things. Um, one one point that often is forgotten, and I with one-stop shops, uh, we do try to address, is the fact that we need to have more and better advice uh, to support uh, building owners, and that's both uh, landlords, but, but, but also tenants uh, sometimes to... Uh, to get the right information in the right format at the right time, uh, because very often people simply do not know where to look uh, for the advice. And hence, um, when they plan renovation projects, they're not taking all aspects uh, into consideration. And, and that's another point that I briefly want to make, uh, is, is the fact that the building tools that we currently have are not really tailored to, to what motivates people to take action because we can do a lot of talking about the need for energy efficiency. And I think we all agree uh, that we need to do it. But ultimately, it's the people uh, that need to take the money and that need to invest. And sometimes the investment costs a lot of money. So we need to, to be better at um, at tailoring and designing those tools in a way that they can uh, that they respond to them and that they take action because that's what we ultimately want to do. Okay, thank you so much. Okay, um, we're going to go to an audience question. It's from John Taylor, and it's for Thibault Roy um, from the European Commission. He says that David's research, so um, the CEO from Velux, identified 34 million suffer excess cold. 
Um, the European Commission must be, uh, sorry, EE must be the first step. He said that buildings vary widely. Does the panel still think we should prevent citizens from using high temperature hot water heating with a boiler, even if if it's with a renewable fuel in all cases? Um, Tibot Roy, what do you make of that question? To, to be to be totally honest, I, I'm not sure I fully understood the, the question. Um, um, but so you say that um, in the research it was identified that 34 million people suffer from excess cold. And I think what he's trying to say here is that should we then prevent people from using high temperature hot water heating, even if it's with a renewable source boiler? Mm -hmm. um, indeed, uh, um, lack, lack of uh, a warm environment is a, 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 a very a uh, crucial uh, issue, uh, also as mentioned by David at the beginning of the event. And we have to make sure at EU level, but also at national level, that this is addressed uh, properly as a priority. And we believe that um, some key proposals in uh, the EPBD uh, adopted text in December uh, do address that, in particular, uh, the one on minimum energy performance standards on MEPS. Uh, which will um, mean that the worst performing buildings, so those e with an EPC, an energy performance class G or F, will have to be lifted up to a better, uh, better performance, which means that they will require uh, less energy because they will be less exposed uh, to the uh, outside environment and to the, the cold uh, outside the, the home. So we believe that's a very important first element that uh, the ambition level on MEPS is um, at least upheld to precisely uh, address this issue um, which affects um, energy-poor citizens, which for, for the majority live in those buildings. Now, on uh, the heating systems uh, specifically, um, as you know, we also propose uh, to stop uh, subsidies to uh, fossil fuel-based boilers um, as of 2027. That's in the EPBD proposal. The reason for that is that we believe that there are uh, um, very cost-efficient alternatives on the market, such as uh, heat pumps. And the, the heat pump uh, galaxy uh, includes obviously self-standing systems, which can replace altogether uh, the fossil fuel-based boilers. But it also includes, um, let's say, adding components that can be brought on top, added to, um, for example, the gas boiler, so that the two work in combination, in particular when the, the, the person in his or her home really faces a very cold day and needs the two of them to work together uh, to heat the, the home properly. So let me, okay, let me say very clearly that like, um, Mr. Let me, yeah, no, I mean, sorry to cut you off though. Um, I know that um, MEP Peterson has to leave. So yeah. if you could just jump in, if you'd like to comment um, and also wrap up any final comments before you leave, that'd be great. No, I, I, I think I, I would add to what, to what uh, Thibault said. And I, I think it's important to bear in mind that we, we're in a situation where I think 20 out of 27 member states uh, subsidize gas boilers as of today. And clearly, in, in the light of, of uh, the tragedy, the, the terrible war in, in, in Ukraine, uh, 
this is, I mean, this is not for the future. So we will have to look into uh, heat pumps and, and how to facilitate and ensure the uptake of, of heat pumps. Uh, and, and adding to this, we will also have to look at issues like hydronic balancing in, in, in order to ensure that we actually can control temperatures in the houses uh, much more than, than we're capable of today. And I'm sure you've all seen the estimates from IEA and other uh, sources saying that by lowering room temperatures with, with one degree, we'll be able to, to save like six, seven percent of our gas imports from Russia. So there are tremendous perspectives in, in the issue of, of, of heat control or room control or drawing balancing uh, and what have you. And not least, as Thibault uh, rightfully so alluded to, uh, this substitution of gas boilers and going into heat pumps, which, which by the way could turn out to be, uh, I mean, there are industrial perspectives in this on a European level as well, if, if we do this right. So all this to say that uh, I think this discussion that, that we're having is extremely timely and I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to, to stay in touch uh, with, with, with all of you and stakeholders in this uh, interesting industry. So thanks so much for, for this. Uh, I have to run into a, a, a another meeting right away. Apologies for this. Thanks so much for having me this morning. Uh, I wish you a good meeting. Thanks. Thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure to have you. Um, thank you so much there to um, MEP Morton Peterson for joining us in this debate. Um, Adeline Rocher, let me come to you now. Now, of course, decent, affordable housing is really key. But across Europe and really across the world, we know that there are cowboys and plus landlords in particular. This is something we haven't quite touched on yet, the landlords. Um, all of you have spoken about renovation, renovation being key of renovating, especially old buildings that really aren't for purpose um, as we you know, go forward. But what if those landlords then increase the cost to tenants so that the, that the tenant is then essentially paying for the upgrade of the flat or the building? Um, how could the reform of this legislation perhaps prevent that from happening or can it not do that? Um, I, I'm not sure this can be directly addressed by the EU framework. I think a lot of housing policy, which are, are different from buildings policy, are still in the hands of um, member states. And I would be cautious on um, regulating too much um, into too much details because we have seen already some some pushback from some member states who are a bit reluctant uh, in the name of the subsidiarity principle. So <clears throat> I would be, yeah, I would tend to keep a, a cautious approach there. Um, that said, having a, a few safeguards um, in the in the EU legislation to say that it's very important that. Um, affordability of buildings remains at the heart of the buildings policy um, is going to be important. There's another policy that we haven't discussed, and I know that I don't want to open the Pandora box when we have only a few minutes left, but the, the upcoming social climate fund should also um, help cover some of the renovation costs uh, to prevent uh, leaky houses and to ensure that the, the, the heating fuel consumption uh, is reduced by financed by a, a, a carbon price on heating fuels. Uh, there is also some um, discussions around uh, using cohesion money to, to ease the renovation wave, uh, to fund the necessary skills, to fund the necessary supply chains in Europe. There is also discussion on what to do with the remaining money of the 
national resilience and recovery plans. So there is also uh, a discussion on if you want to make sure that the most vulnerable are, are shielded against um, steep um, rent increase, uh, there is um, a bit of space, I think, for, for public support targeted, I insist on targeted, for the most vulnerable um, inhabitants. Okay, lovely. Well, let's pick up um, on that with um, our remaining panellists. Um, Elizabeth Hoffman, let me come to you first, but Mr. Roy, um, you can also add on after um, Ms. Hoffman. Um, what I want to also talk about is, you know, living costs. They're rising dramatically. I mean, we can't necessarily fix deprivation and this one legislation isn't, you know, you know, the fix-all approach. But with so many people living in a kind of survival mode, living paycheck to paycheck, with all these crises going on, especially the energy um, crisis, what would you say is a fix to help? potentially the poorest of society live a better life. Um, I know that there's a project in Belgium that you also wanted to highlight. Yes, um, very briefly. Um, I think very often when people hear, also when we talk about the need for holistic approach to buildings, they do think that this must always uh, come with a very high bill so that this must be very expensive and that this also doesn't go together, let's say, with, uh, with social housing. Um, and uh, and that's why, um, like we as Velux, we were involved in, um, it started in 2016 in, in a social housing uh, project in Belgium, in, in, in Anderlecht, uh, where our objective was um, to show uh, that you can do a budget-focused uh, renovation uh, with uh, what we call the active health principle in mind, so the energy environment, but also the health uh, parameters. Um, and so... So far, uh, we have renovated uh, six buildings there, and um, we we could see that this didn't mean uh, increased cost. It just requires a different approach um, and a different planning process. And again, uh, like the point that I made before, that's just something that we currently um, don't uh, don't do. And going back to to, to your other question uh, before um, about uh, about the issue with costs, I think very one very important aspect. Here, and that also goes back to the question around boilers that you mentioned before, is that we do need um, a thorough approach that we can't do just one-off uh, investments. It's not enough just to replace boilers or to install uh, heat pumps. We do need uh, a focused approach. We do need an improved uh, and like building envelope first so that all these other measures that we have to do uh, will work out. And, and, and that's something that is, uh, that is, that is very important. Okay, Tibor Roy, let's come to you next um, for you to comment on that. But also there is a question, um, again, um, from uh, someone who's watching online. They've said that how will the EU Green Deal building renovation program make sure that renovations will be circular? The focus seems to be on energy reduction, um, sorry, CO2 reduction. Um, but of course, this must also, reduction must also come from circularity. So reduce, reuse, recycle. Um, your comments, please. Sure. Uh, maybe maybe to, to jump straight on, on, on this question from, from the audience. Um, we indeed we, we have several pieces of legislation in the in the Fit for 55 package that aim to bring in this uh, this uh, this level of of, of real of ambition uh, on circularity. Uh, if you talk about um, construction products, um, the very recently adopted construction products regulation does uh, address um, uh, durability, circularity, uh, reusability, 
uh, all the, the circularity uh, dimensions uh, of the product that we uh, use and we will use in our buildings. That's the first element on, on construction products. Then um, we also need appliances in, in, in our uh, buildings, obviously, not only boilers, but uh, lights, um, dishwashers, uh, and so on and so forth. And for those ones, we are already um, starting to regulate their life cycle uh, impacts and the circularity considerations uh, with the uh, eco-design directive, which will be transformed into the uh, eco-design regulation, and also with our uh, energy labeling regulation, which really aims to give um, <clears throat> a score to the appliances that we buy from A to, to G, uh, aiming to really pull uh, the market to the best performing uh, products. And in that context, it's also important to recall uh, that uh, subsidies from public authorities already today can only go to uh, the, the, the products which are at the top of their energy class. So we think it's also a very important consideration. Uh, now on the overall impact of the building, um, new buildings uh, as part uh, of the EPPG proposal will also have to uh, report on their life cycle uh, emissions. And we think it's also a very important uh, first step, let's say, in that regard. Um, just the last word on, on this question. Um, member states also uh, incentivize as part of the energy performance certificates, the EPC that they will develop. And we have provided a template uh, for that purpose to include uh, elements related to circularity to be uh, indicated on those EPCs. Um, then if I may quickly on, um, let's say, financing and the enabling conditions. Um, so very important, I believe, to recall that uh, the Commission has been working on the review of the state aid uh, rules. Um, we have made, and we are also still on the general block exemption regulation side, the GBER, trying to make them more conducive, uh, allowing for a higher threshold, wider scope uh, of aid to buildings, for example, to uh, comply with minimum energy performance standards. Um, and quickly to, 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 to comment on, on Adeline's and, and Elizabeth's comments on uh, tools to, to ensure that um, tenants and energy poor uh, citizens are not uh, hurt by the transition. Um, we indeed propose some, some measures in the PBD uh, revision, but we also think indeed that for some of those issues, this is a matter uh, for member states. They have a specific context, they have a historical uh, developments, and they know how best to address those. So we provide, let's say, a toolbox of financing instruments, um, of uh, suggestions as to reviews of the national laws, but it will also be for, for member states individually to identify and act on those key issues. Okay, thank you so much to Roy, um, and thank you also for summing up what the Commission um, is proposing through this legislative reform. Thank you so much. Okay, and then just quickly, um, ladies, I'd like you to give your final comments if possible. We are a little bit running over time, but Adeline uh, Rocher, please go ahead. Very quickly, please. 
Um, I think we are uh, living a very exciting policy moment uh, because I don't think that we've ever seen such a such a breadth of uh, policy um, files discussed at the same time and. Uh, consistency will be key, but I also see a great potential for the FITOR 55 package, the Green Deal to deliver for the for the EU citizen. Um, it's very important also that um, whatever is uh, discussed um, tomorrow in the repower uh, context, that we'll have the necessary short-term measures to drastically cut um, energy demand in Europe, that it's still aligned with the more structural, longer-term um, tools that will be uh, implemented through the Fit for 55 package. So I really hope that this consistency and this sense of destination, where do we want to be in 10 years, 20 years, in 2050, that we that we don't lose sight of the, the destination. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much. Um, and then just lastly, Elizabeth Hoffman, please, the floor very quickly, please. Yes, very quickly. Uh, just to add, yes, indeed, a very unique uh, moment that we're in uh, at the moment, also a very busy one, of course, uh, given that all the EU legislation is up for revision, but also the fact that we have all this money that is coming from the National Recovery and Resilience Plans, and then hopefully also soon from the new Social Climate Fund. We do have that that real opportunity uh, to, to, to change uh, our building stock and to, to, to turn it into a sustainable and, and healthy buildings. So um, there's just one thing that I could ask for. It would be to, uh, to to ensure a clearer definition of what a healthy indoor climate is so that we're all talking about the same thing uh, when we're using uh, those words. Um, yes, thank you very much. Okay, no, thank you, know, thank you and thanks to all of you. Um, and of course, to everyone who's watching online, we're gonna have to leave it there, but Tibor Roy, MEP Morton uh, Peterson, Martin Pej-Rimovsky, Adeline Rocher, Elizabeth Hoffman, and of course, David Briggs. Thank you all so much for being part of this discussion this morning. And to everyone, of course, who is watching online, I hope that what you've seen has given you a flavor of the debate, an important debate surrounding sustainable and healthy buildings. I'm Mariam Saidi, and you've been watching a Euroactive debate supported by Envelope Care, and bye-bye. <laughs>